So if a house is, so let's say, for example, you want to buy a house. This is what I, 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 meant, I mentioned the point where people think where their heart, not their head, when it comes to property investing. And um, so let's say, for example, if you buy a house and you love it and it's beautiful, it's got all the fittings and everything like that, value it based on what it can generate in rent, not what it has to sell for at that different moment in time. So a lot of people seem to think that um, that because a house is, let's say, for example, worth 300000 and because someone's selling a house for 300000 it's worth 300000 No. Mm. This is that why uh, I, I don't know if there's a general conception in industry that investors always buy below value because or below what the house is selling for because it's they're valuing it at that level. Um, what generally tends to inflate house prices is the owner occupiers because they're buying with emotion. Uh, uh, investors buy with 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 uh, based on formulas. formulas. Yeah, formulas. They buy based on formulas. So if you see a house that's three hundred thousand. But it's only so. Let's say you see two houses. One house is three hundred thousand, and another house is two hundred thousand. The two hundred thousand house, thousand pound house, rents for a thousand pounds. If you were to rent it, it would rent it for a thousand pounds. While the three hundred thousand pound house rents for uh, uh, five hundred pounds. Surely the three hundred thousand pound house is massively overvalued compared to the two hundred thousand pound house. The two three hundred thousand pound house should be should be considerably reduced in value. To bring it in line with a two hundred thousand pound house, mm, yep. so um, so it's getting around that concept that because that person selling for three hundred thousand pounds doesn't mean it's worth three hundred thousand pounds. It's just what they're selling it for. The house that is two hundred thousand pound house is probably closer to its real real value. So I'll offer it that. Unless, for example, I found another house that was a hundred thousand pounds that rents up for four hundred four thousand pounds. Then to me, that two hundred thousand pound house is overvalued. Okay. Mm. Does that make sense? Um, it's a natural. Sorry to cut you off. It's a natural. Um, it's a natural term for it. It's a. It's a valuation technique called comparables. I believe I've studied. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't know about the term for it. Is um, but it's it's just, just that general concept that yeah. that the value of a house is based on what it generates in cash. Yeah. So so. I'm, what I'm doing is I'm like, I, I go back to that point when I was looking for properties, we t- I think I mentioned a quick point, uh, mentioned a point about how I search for properties and I look, that's how, what I do and I analyze and I say, well, um, what are the properties that will generate me the most cash based on my initial investment? And if I saw a house that's 200,000 pound, and I saw another house that's 100,000 pound, and I saw another house that's 300,000 pound, but the 200,000 pound was rented for 1,000, 300 would rent out for 500, and 100 would rent out for 1,000. Surely, the thousand, the hundred thousand is more closer to its its, its, its fair value. Yeah. Mm. What I would do is I would go to the two hundred thousand pound and I offer them us a hundred. They'll laugh at me, but I'll mm. say that the reason why because that's not worth that. Mm-hmm. Pulumi, yeah. talk, talk a bit more about what that conversation when you're negotiating what that actually looks like. Who who is it? Who's they? Who who is it that you're actually mm-hmm. talking about? And who, what does that conversation actually look like? Do you say, "Yo, you're mm-hmm. offering it for three hundred k, but I want to give you two fifty. Yeah, like when you speak to like so generally properties are sold through property um, uh, estate agents. Um, so um, estate agent, when you call up, when I call up estate agent, I just give them the real deal. Like they know when dealing with investors and dealing with owner occupiers, and I say, look, this is this is what I'm looking for. Estate agents, the estate agents know how to deal with investors because they they specifically target or sell properties for investors, mm. and so they don't really deal with all the uh, the the sort of the, the sort of the nitty gritty or the sales pitch. Generally, they just they know what you're, in, you're what you're looking for. You're looking for income, so they'll say, "Look, there's this property; it's a bargain. This person wants to sell it; they want to get rid of it. Are you interested?" Boom. They wouldn't call an owner occupier and tell them that. They'll call an investor because they know that investors are um, are, are, are probably going to have the cash or uh, capacity to be able to move quickly. Yeah. 
Yeah. And um, but not to say they want caught on occupies, but they deal with investors totally different than they deal with on occupies. So I call up an investor, and I tell an investor, oh look, I like this property. I tell the estate agent I like this property. I tell him, look, is this person willing to budge in this price? I don't want to waste your time. Is this person willing to budge in your price? Yeah. And they'll tell you straight yes or no. Yeah. And um, if you've got a good relationship with them, and it's all about having relationships, if you've got a good relationship with the estate agent, they will tell you straight away if this is a move, if this is a do or don't. They want to make a deal as well, so it's in their favour to try and strike a deal. And I say, look, this is this is the most I would offer. Are they willing to make an? Are they willing to deal? Are they willing to do it? They may say no. I still chuck it in, um, just to be cheeky, just to say, look, I'm going to offer you this um, because you don't know what that person, you don't know whether that person might take it seriously or not. It, that, that property may stay on the property, but stay on the market for a while, and then you may get called maybe two or three months down the line, and they say, "Look, we'll take an offer." Mm. Um, so you'd be surprised. I still chuck it in. Um, I'm not there. This is why I go back. I'm not there to be friends with anyone. I'm there to make a deal. So I'll go up to you and I'll say, "This is what I think it's worth." If you don't like it, that's it. I'm going to move on to the next one. It's it's just business. There's no there's no need to cry a tear over it. Just offer what you offer what you think it's worth. Yeah. Some people get offended. And that maybe I'm like, what do you mean? No, no, no. And some, some, some people get offended, bro. Some people get offended. Like, if you tell them, oh, bro, I think your house is only worth 100, or I think your house is worth 20% less than what, it's, what you think it's worth, I'm off you that. They get, they go, they go off. <laughs> oh, bro. Because to them, it's, 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 their, it's their life, you know? It's, 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 they sell below that. They lose money. So to them, it's kind of, if it's kind of a kick in the teeth to say that, Oh, I've actually lost money by this. I don't want to lose money. I want to make money. So, and and, and believe me, it could be because they bought with emotions rather than formula. Exactly. Yeah, mm. it's emotional. It's emotional, mm. and and so that's 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 the difficulty as well. Is is that is that I always go there with a genuine heart. I offer what I think is fair and what mm. I value, and I always want to strike a deal. But if it's worth, if it's way more, um, if it's way, um, if it's worth more than what I think it's worth. I'm going to offer what I think it's worth. Mm. And it's dependent on whether they have to accept that deal or not. And if they're not, there's plenty of other properties available. Like you, like that's why I said you have a list, you have a strike list, and you go in on what you think you can offer. And, and not to say you offer, you offer multiple properties simultaneously, because that's wrong, that's frowned upon. But uh, what you do is you have, okay, this is my number one, this is my number two, this is my number three. You always have a backup mm. so that if they don't accept that, okay, well, I'll move on to the next one. Okay. And then, yeah, now that's it. And sometimes just patience. There's people that want to make deals. They, there's people that want to sell. They might be going through a divorce or yeah. they, mm. a family member's passed or something and they want to just get rid of the property. Mm. And, so, and what they want is a lot of people, it's not only, some people tend to think that price is a deciding factor. It's not sometimes price, it's speed. Mm. And they know the investors move quickly. They want to get in and get it done. So sometimes I've had deals, I've had people approach me that say that, look, I, we just want to get, we just want to, we just want this done now. I'm like, bro, I've got my, I've got my slits ready. I've got my um, uh, I've got my broker ready. I'm good to go. Just tell me, this is what I'm going to offer. Accept it, yes or no. If I accept it, let's move on. Mm. And, and believe me, how important is networking when it comes to property investing? If uh, it is important, yeah. I think I think it's important because um, like a lot of people network with different property groups and stuff like that. Like let's say for example, if you wanted to go into let's say group investment or something similar, like that network is really critical and really mm. crucial towards achieving that. Um, to me, the main, my main, my main sort of, my, my main um, focus when it comes to networking is mainly estate agents. Mm. You want estate agent to be your best friend uh, because these estate agents, uh, a lot of property deals happen off the market. Mm. Uh, people don't really realize. Not a lot of properties. Some of the best property deals 
they, they don't even hit the market. They don't even hit the market. No, they sell before mm. before, before before they actually before on, um, people see them. Mm. Um, um, and so a lot of those deals. So what I what I generally like to do is work very closely with estate agents. Mm. Um, and 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 really, because you want them to be the first person. You want them to call you first before anyone else, mm. especially if it's a really good deal. And and so having a good relationship. So I get estate agents calling me all the time. It's like, oh, just catching up. How you guys doing? Blah blah blah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Just keeping, just keep, just keeping that relationship. Just keeping that momentum so that. Um, and, I'm, and I tell them what my plans are. I'm looking into probably this time. Please do keep your eye out. If you see anything or anything, just give me a shout. Mm. Um, and, and and that's kind of like the way the way the relationship works really well because they know that this guy's solid. He just wants to get he just wants to get the deal done, and that's sort of it. Um, but yeah, having having good relationships as well with just general people, just like yourselves, could um, could also open up other opportunities for potential joint ventures and stuff like that. And that's mm. really that's really beneficial with property developments or anything anything of that sort. So I think it's really good to have relationships, but I don't think that just should be the be or end all. I think the most important thing is just to start. Of PR, um, just to add something, you know, a lot of people go for these educational kind of uh, uh schemes, um, and you know, they go to these I don't know one day, two day events, and then they mm. say, Oh, you can join our scheme. What do you think of those? Do you think those are necessary? Do you think they are good? Um, should people be uh, kind of um, scared of potential fake gurus and that kind of stuff? What, what's your take on that? Mm. It's, it's difficult to say. I don't, I don't, I don't know because I can't really judge someone or something that I've never really gone through. Mm. Um, what I would say is that I think a lot of people spend too much time on, on sort of research and all that stuff rather than doing analysis. So, analysis. Yeah. So they, they procrastinate. I'm procrastinating. Um, yeah. Than, than to take that leap. And, and um, so what I, I, previously I mentioned, you start small, don't go big, don't go in with Rambo. <laughs> you know what I mean start, start small and so because um, it's what you what you realise is that you learn more through the experience it's just like um, it's just like it's just like you know equity investing yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah. like like a lot you, you, you can learn so much but until you actually step into that pool until you actually yeah. um, you, you don't really learn you're never really exposed or, or you learn so much more quickly because you're, you're actually in the pool you actually you have to swim um, and if not you're going to sink yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? You know, you know that that, that negative connotation. You know, black people don't know how to swim, but bro, I'm not a swimmer. <laughs> and and if you don't believe me, again, this is about managing risk. Make sure you have your life jacket on. Essentially, oh, exactly. So yeah, well, back yeah, up. Yeah, insurance. So landlord insurance. So um, so what I say is that um, that that a lot of people focus too much on procrastinating and not actually taking that leap. Like, you go for training mm. courses, expose yourself. Yes, get some practice, etc. Um, get get some exposure, but don't invest thousands and thousands and thousands in some of these courses. Actually use that money to actually buy, let's say, a small property, a startup property, mm. find your fee. And then with that whole experience and exposure, you learn so much more. Mm. And then that will then take you to the next. And you will go into that next one with confidence and clarity. And then you'll just repeat that process consistently again and again and again. And mm. as you continue doing it, you do, you'll be doing bigger and bigger. It's like, like I mentioned, the monopoly, you buy small houses, mm-hmm. small houses, then it goes to the big houses, big houses. And that's how you just expand and grow your portfolio. And it's just going to take time. So um, I would say that if you are if you do want to sort of venture out or start, that start small, gain experience, gain knowledge, and then expand and grow. And, and then through that process, you, I have no doubt that you'll be confident and you'll be successful. Big. As you, as you go up the property ladder, so does your confidence increase? And then you might land on Mayfair as well. 
Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Big. Um, cool. So um, we're going we're gonna to get um, into, uh, I guess, a discussion around what we've already touched on a couple of times already um, around joint ventures, Pulumi. Um, mm-hmm. But very quickly, actually, you mentioned around uh, protection and insurance. Um, around just that area as well, do you have any... I guess, uh, tips maybe based on what you've done or what you've uh, learned in terms of setting up. So you mentioned at the very beginning, you do everything through the company. Is that something that you would encourage when moving into property investing? And what are the things you feel you should make sure you have from a protection perspective? Yeah, definitely. I would definitely um, recommend companies. Uh, The reason why is that the UK has changed its tax laws around property. So um, if you're a high-rate taxpayer, in essence, you pay property on, you pay tax on the gross um, rather than the net, so let's say for example, <clears throat> some, so what that can what that means is that you could actually pay more, you could actually lose money on the property. It's a, a bit of a complex sort of thing to describe, but in essence, let's say for example, you, you, you what it can mean is that if you're let's say you're renting out a property and um, you're literally just breaking even, um, but the tax that you pay is so large that actually you, you fall to a loss. So it's never really, it's never really, it's, it, this is only if you're a high rate taxpayer. So you get like what's called a voucher and that voucher is like the basic tax rate. And that voucher um, pretty much kind of gives you sort of like, a, it's like a rebate, but because you're paying tax at 40%, that rebate isn't actually covering your full tax liability. So you have to, you have to literally pay tax back. Mm. So it never really works in your favor to rent that property in your individual name if you're a high rate taxpayer. Well, just to add on to that, the truth is even... And as I can tell you're talking about Section 24. Yeah, absolutely. You know, even if you are a lower rate taxpayer um, and you plan to do this for the long term, um, at some point, your income will push you to be yeah. a taxpayer. Mm. So you want to probably start your journey from the business in the first place. Do you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I think it's, 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 you definitely want to start, you have to have a structure or a structure that you have to put in place from the start. Um, like, for so example, when I bought a couple of my properties, uh, I bought them in my name. Um, that's because I wasn't really um, aware of uh, uh, the exposure, mm. but I've had to repurpose them. So change to sort of incorporate them into a company structure yeah. to avoid that tax liability. Mm. Yeah. yeah, great tip. Thanks for that, bro. Thanks for that. Um, so we, we're going to um, get into what we've been discussing around uh, joint venture. Jack, so it'd be good to get your um, opinion on this in terms of your thoughts on, well, first of all, what are joint ventures and your thoughts on that? And then, believe me, I'm going to throw that over to you, really focusing on the uh, property element as well, because I know you've got some experience in this as well. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, when we talk about joint venture in this kind of um, element, we're talking about doing things with... Um, potentially other investors it could be um other people that just have the same mindset as you um it could be complete strangers um it could be your your friends or family essentially what you're doing is you're bringing your potential capital for example together um and going on a joint venture but it doesn't have to be capital it could be someone who um is bringing something to the table it could be someone's ability to um i guess source properties even could be um something that they bring to the table whereas someone can bring uh, capital and coming together to form a team allows everyone to kind of add value and um, which makes it easier for everybody especially for people that don't have a lot of capital mm. um it still allows you to jump onto the property ladder um earlier than you, you could have so i think i think it's in my, in my humble opinion i think it's something that's great to do um i would c- kind of encourage people to do it but of course with everything you have to do your due diligence mm. um and yes with every investment there is risk 
and this type of risk, it can go left. So you have to be very, very careful what you're doing. So I'll pass on to Pulumi because he's much more experienced in it, and, and I would love to hear what he has to say. Um, I, I think I think joint ventures are probably one of the most underrated uh, underrated sort of op- opportunities for especially people that want to get in the property market. Mm. Um, one of my properties is a joint venture, uh, me and my brothers. And when you look at property, you've just I go, I go back to that point where I talked about how the key is to try and put as minimal as as little as that, little as possible down. Um, because property is a relative, um, I'm sort of a, a relative sort of game, investment game where it's it's all about efficiency, um, and 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 trying to make sure you get the most out of every investment of every pound that you make. And so, um, uh, but I think one of the hurdles that people, a lot of people have is raising a large amount of money for a deposit, which is a struggle. Like I go back to, uh, I think in London, if you want to raise a deposit money, you're looking at probably 30, 40 grand. That's a lot of money uh, for someone to have to want to raise to uh, step into the property market. So you've got to try and figure out what are the boss, what's the most effective ways for you to minimize that exposure. And investors always look at that. They try to look at how can I minimize that exposure and maximize the gain uh, in, in from, from, from investing. And so there, there's more ways you can do that. Either you look for a cheaper property so that deposit requirement is lower or you look for a uh, mortgage deal that requires a lower deposit threshold or you look at how, or you split that deposit sum across multiple individuals so it reduces the amount you have to pay, put in and generally uh, from uh, the, I generally tend to find a cheaper option is better and the cheaper and the splitting between uh, multiple parties is, 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 is generally tend to be the most easiest ones to do. You can't really find mortgage deals that are below a certain threshold because they're pretty much non-existent. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I think generally, if you're going to joint venture, I think the most important thing is is more about trust yeah. and relationships. Uh, I tend to be quite quite cautious when entering joint ventures because you have to have uh, people are funny when it comes to money. Oh, oh yes. No talk. No talk. Um, yeah. uh, people can change. You grew up. You grew up, You grew, You guys grew up together. Like, like family. Like yeah. next door. Live next door neighbors. You know what I mean? Eight well, years house. Well, you know what, Pelimi? Ten years ago, we were all different. So absolutely, we can absolutely. all change. Yeah. So people change, and 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 you won't want to have to lose a friend mm. or. Or over over money, do you know what I mean? Yeah, you won't change on me, would you? Uh, listen, <laughs> yeah, you won't change on me. I mean, I know where your house is, so. <laughs> Likewise, bro. <laughs> so, but if you've got like-minded people, if you guys are logical and mm. you see the bigger picture, um, that's why I said that before you venture into it, it's all about it's all about having that trust, having that sort mm. of that that looking at it as a business point of view so uh what what most thing is protecting yourselves as much as possible so having some sort of shareholder agreement yes. so mm. so making sure that everyone's aware of what their roles and responsibilities are and yeah. what they're putting in what they expect to get out yeah their, their obligations and what are what will happen if they breach them yeah so everyone's protected legally and i think that's the most that's the most secure way to sort of move forward with it and then it's it's, it's just coming together and working effectively it's seen as a business and, and and that you guys are pretty much bored and that you are then building and building upon that and building upon that. And and I always think that um, when people say that they haven't got enough to invest, um, I always say, have you asked, spoken to family? Have you spoken to friends? Mm. Because just investing, just even a pound is more effective than having that pound in the bank. 
Of course. So mm. absolutely, it makes it just makes mathematical sense. Yeah. So if you can, if if you are able to, if you might not have the amount to invest yourself fully, but you have enough to be able to invest with individuals who are like-minded, who are like-minded like you, and 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 you believe are going to be good business partners, then I think that's definitely something you should pursue. And, and let, let's talk more about that uh, potential perspective because, you know, when you're investing in a joint venture, you know, let's say it's for a, a 15 to 20 year project, right? Mm. Um, you mentioned people can change, but also I guess life changing events also happen. It affects yeah. people. People haven't had the best, um, probably didn't do the best planning to protect themselves against a life changing event. And then they might have to pull out of that adventure. How can you make sure that things are in place to really protect against things like that? Yeah, so you I think that's one of the main, that's one of the fears that comes up when we think about a joint venture. Yeah. Um, so you have obligations written into the contract into your mm. shareholder agreement. So if you're doing it by a company, um, we, we did ours through a shareholder agreement. Mm. And um, so I love my brothers. I love them to they're sort of they're, they're everything to me. And um, but we we all agreed that this would probably be, be much. More I love the but. <laughs> yeah, we we, we agreed, didn't it? However, we agree. <laughs> <laughs> but because the way I see it is that this is something that I'm going to pass on to my kids, of so course, I want to make sure yeah. that my kids, uh, my kids' interests are also um, are also um, yeah. also sort of um, fixed into the whole process. Mm. So what we have is obligations. So if let's say, for example, they fail, because when you invest by a joint venture, you have to pay for the mortgage, and I think that's the most exposure liability that you have is paying the mortgage. Mm. So we had um, caveats, we had uh, obligations in the contract that if people fail to pay the mortgage. Um, that they that that amount that they failed to pay would be taken out of their proportion of, of ownership of the property. Yeah. Um, there was so we, what we have is protection. Every obligation was built to ensure that if someone failed in a specific area, that the interest that that would be taken out of their cut. Mm, yes, that that's pretty much it. Um, that would be taken out of their cut, and 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 but they could re, they could cut they could uh, they could sort. Of pay back and then reinitialize their cut. But in essence, no, no one was ever really out of pocket. All the people that met their obligations were not out of pocket. It's only the people that failed their obligations that would be out of pocket. Mm. And that was kind of like how the contract was written. And I think that was the most fairest way to do it. And everyone pretty much agreed that this is the most secure way and, and, and uh, secure way for us to have some sort of a mutual agreement between ourselves to say that, okay, well, if you don't pay your proportion, then you lose it. Mm. Just mm. because you haven't seen that money come in the bank account doesn't necessarily mean that 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 it's not coming out from your actual ownership of the property, yeah. and so that was a general consensus that we agreed would work more favorably for the type of agree- agreement that we had in place. Sounds good. Big protection is key, but regardless, you shall all re- reap the rewards of your labor, man. So that's all. Yeah. Absolutely no, no, we're good, actually, yeah, absolutely. we're actually in the process now where we're like, uh, where because the property is coming up for a remortgage. Okay. Uh, yeah. Now, yeah. Yeah. So when we're now at that point where we're now going to be buying another one. Nice, um, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're, we're already talking about it. We already sat down. We're talking about it. Um, just planning it because when it comes to property, you have to plan ahead, and that's that's the thing. A lot of people wait until until they're about they're about to buy. No, you you plan way ahead, up to maybe a month ahead, so that you know exactly you can move quickly mm. by speed. So you can move quickly. You know what you're going to target and what you're going to do. And and so we're also potentially looking at different ventures or looking at different opportunities, especially with the commercial market the way it is, and trying to see if we can sort of take advantage of of the weakness in the commercial market. Um, so it's not just less about residential because we're, we're at that point where, um, like if, if, it took, if you look at property, property is kind of like a pyramid scheme where you have, uh, you have all these, like so you have safe investments, so you have a residential. So I've got quite a, quite a decent residential stock now. And now I'm looking at more adventurous 
yes. adventurous properties and we're like okay maybe we could do something more commercial not the standard rental like a shop or something but maybe something a little bit more innovative uh, maybe expand more into hmos mm. uh, just look at how look at, something like serviced accommodation exactly yeah service accommodation the thing is is that um is that because, yeah, because we're trying to figure out how we can how we can better utilize commercial property how we can better utilize that space and and um, service accommodation works well. I, I do like service accommodation. Mm. It's not something I've ventured into, um, um, but it is something that I'm interested in. Yeah. And but I think for us, it's more along the lines of where is it? Where 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 do we think that there's an immediate opportunity right now? Yes. Um, and and prices are cheap, <clears throat> and commercial property is definitely definitely quite cheap. Uh, so we're trying to look at okay, well, what what are the planning, what plan permission requirements, what are planning permission opportunities, um, what local councils are willing to work with people that are that are looking to maybe um, um, do up certain areas or do up certain locations to see what benefit we can get. So we're now exploring um, those sort of avenues. Sweet. So um, yeah, Palumi, you were talking about um, you want to give uh, things off to your kids, which is uh, great. We've got for our listeners, we've got an episode on generational wealth, um, so make sure you do check that out, part one and part two. Um, Palumi, on on family actually, you're obviously a parent, so we're gonna touch on the important role uh, that plays for you and why you do what you do. Before we do that, Jazz, do you have anything else to add regarding, I guess, group investing or questions? I know this is an area you're particularly passionate about. Yeah, no, I, th- I think Pulumi's covered it very well. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's so nice to hear someone who's actually doing it. Mm. Um, you hear a lot about this when it, comes to, when it comes to theory and that kind of stuff. But when you come across someone who's actually doing it, it's very helpful. But yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's, a, it's a great way to get started, especially for people that don't have a lot, a lot of capital right now. Um, why not spread the risk with, with, with other people, as, as mm. Pulumi said? Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm all for it. Again, it's all about making sure you do your diligence, your due diligence, and making sure that you put certain things in place so that you're all protected. Amazing. Thank you, bro. Um, uh, Palumi, I'm going to uh, touch on, I guess, as I said, you're a parent, and it would be good to hear from you, you know, the role that parenthood has played in your journey. Parenthood is, um, is, is, is one of the most beautiful things anyone can ever go through. It's if not the most beautiful thing anyone could ever go through and, and the most amazing thing. And and you start to realise that what you do is not for you, it's for them. Um, if if that kind of makes sense. It's, it's that it's no longer about you. Purpose. No. Yeah, yeah, it gives you so much focus and so much purpose. And and that I, one thing I realise is that when you're looking at it from an investor's point of view is that you you realise, when you realise the value of how, you realise how money works, and 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 um inflation and various other things and how investment works in itself you realize how difficult it's going to be for them when they're when they're our age oh yes yep so imagine like i think we can go back retrospectively and think about our parents our parents they had the options of buying houses let's say for example at like 10 grand 20 grand 30 grand yeah yep. and now those houses are worth that same house is worth three or four hundred thousand well my, my, my dad was telling me the story he, he bought a house in um hoxton um many years ago in the 90s and he made a small profit while well, he thought it was a big profit at the time mm. um if only he held on to it until now my whole family oh. very blessed right now abraham blessings <laughs> <laughs> there you go so I, I totally agree yeah it's it's 
the opportunities we have now is only going to get harder as time goes on. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like the way I look at it is that um, I look at my kids and I think to myself, if I see a house now that's worth 300,000, I may be wrong in the next couple of years, that house could be in means. Um, and it's going to be so hard for them to be able to gain entry. And I just think that it, the easiest thing, the best thing a parent could do for their child is to give them a, 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 a helping head hand. Start. Yeah, mm. head start. So the best thing you can do is it's generational wealth. And and so one of the things I really, and, and, and that's something that's quite, um, it's something that we struggle with specifically in the black community is mm. um, see the value of generational wealth. Yeah. Mm. Not, to, not to say that it's not that something that we want to do. It's just that it's not something that's really common um, you don't really hear of uh, 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 people in our culture, especially in a culture, is that a lot of parents, elderly parents, tend to see that you are their investment. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> are you your parents' pension? Yeah, 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 yeah. We got an episode on that. Um, are your parents' pension? But also, we touch a bit on this um, on Black Wealth episode and generational wealth with a few guests. So definitely I'll do that, check that. I listen to that one. I listened to that podcast as yeah. well. I really loved it because uh, amazing. Yeah, I listened to that podcast, podcast as well. I really liked it because, um, and it and it, and, it, and it just resonated so 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 intensely with me because it's like yes, that's so true in our culture. It's 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 the thing that kids are generally there to actually be the pension of their parents, mm. and so and not to say like we all love our parents, etc. And that's and that's totally that's 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 something that I I I take very seriously. I think for me, it's more along the lines of. I want to give my kids a head start as much as possible. So, guys, my son just came up, literally, speak of him. Yes, yes, yes Ezra. Came what at the right did. time. Give me, give me a second. Man like, man, like, <laughs> man like Ezra, join the podcast. What you want to say to the world, man? He literally just came up at that time. It's like he knew, Daddy, I know you're talking about me. You better have, better have my bundle ready. <laughs> and so yeah I, I, so I just want to give my kids as much of a head start as possible but I, I just don't think about kids I think of my kids 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 yeah. so it's I'm going to be teaching my kids to be able to build it so to be able to grow it and mm. then pass on to the next generation next generation because when you think about and not, not, I'm not trying to build like our oh, wealth to be able to take over the world or nothing nothing like that mm. what I just want to do is build um, is build something so that the generation's past me can benefit i think in the bible there's um there's a verse where it talks about pass on inheritance to your children mm. it's a good thing it, it, we're supposed to be doing that but and so i take it very seriously and i think to myself if i, I just i just look back at my thing if i had that that head start my mum did amazing and and she gave me the head start mm. but if i had that financial head start yeah. i think my life would be a lot more different than it is today yeah. um and i think and i want to make sure that um, that same benefit that my mum gave to me, education-wise, exposure-wise, etc., I give to my children, but and I also give them that financial benefit as well. Yeah. Mm. So you're not going to be like me because I, I plan to have a portrait of myself, so, <laughs> <laughs> so that in the next ten generations they will look back and say, "What's a portrait the first was the one who started this journey." Oh, <laughs> really? remember, your grandkids would not remember you unless you leave them something. Yeah. Like, like it's true. Like, yeah. like it's, it's, it's your name will fade. Because they won't remember you. Um, like if, if your kid, if you pass on something to your children's children, 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 your name will be passed on and they'll say that this came from this 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 person because you left them something. Yeah. You left them something of value. And they and, and so it's just it's just one of those things I think that 
like if you leave something for him, there will there will be a portrait of you. They'll be visiting they'll be visiting graveyard every 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 year just to say like so, so oh we miss you and all that stuff like that. Did you saw hear Jax? He said there'll be a portrait of Jax the first. Many more many that's the 25th, bro. That's the oh, mate. Oh, mate. Uh, that, that, that's, that's really um, helpful for Lumi, man. I was going to say, though, um, you're obviously um, a, a husband, a parent. You, you're, um, you work. You're a business um, person as well. How do you actually juggle all of this? And, uh, yeah, it would be good to hear more about how you actually juggle all this. And then be good to actually just uh, touch on your actually your, one of your businesses, how to invest in income as well. Yeah, um, how I juggle it is uh, is literally I it's my time. So uh, I, I go to work, I do my time, and then after I do my time, I build my business. Mm. And so I, I think probably a lot of people don't see the work that goes on in the background. Uh, but literally after you finish work, what well, you finish work around five or six, etc., and then have some chill time with family. And then literally work. I work until probably like eleven or twelve at night every day. Mm. Um, non-stop and just just trying to build because we commit if you look at the amount of time we, we utilize a day you probably use probably seven hours 12 seven to eight hours going to sleep uh probably 12 12 or so hours maybe eight, eight or seven eight or nine hours working um that doesn't leave that much left in the day for you to really build mm. so you really got to find a couple of hours spare hours every day for you to use and build and you have to have a routine and keep committed to keep committing it and some people may think that oh that's a bit it's a bit boring and stuff like that but you, what you start to see is the fruits of your labor mm. and and so it's hard work it's not something that should be taken lightly it's that you have to commit to it you have to sacrifice and you have to continue to keep doing it and 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 so what i try to do is maneuver my sh- calendar schedule to make sure that i commit hours to building my business and doing the things that i do and growing like my property portfolio, I have to commit time to where I spend time. If I see a property, it's going to take, like I say, for example, if, I, if, I look at, if I'm looking to venture into a property deal, I may do my research and it'll take me, take me maybe a week, two weeks for me to finish doing my research. Mm. But I have to commit that time to it. So it's just about, all about how you organise your time. Hmm. Definitely here, Dan. Definitely in agreement with that. Jack, so you obviously got your hands in a lot of things. How do you go about juggling everything? Oh man, it's <laughs> it's it's a lot. I'll be honest with you, it's a lot. Um, especially because I've got something called shiny object syndrome, which means. <laughs> wait, 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 wait! Go back. You, you got to rewind that, man. You got to rewind that. Wait, wait. wait. You got what? <laughs> it's called shiny object syndrome, which means I just want to. I'm always. I get. I get attracted to things very quickly. Um, <laughs> opportunities everywhere, and I always want to do everything. And mm. that's, that's been a challenge for me, you know, uh, whether it's, um, obviously I work a full nine to one, no, not even nine to five, it's more eight to six. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> I have a full-time job. Um, I obviously run um, Jack's Financial, the financial education and investment guidance organization. And then I've got World Finance. And even within these businesses, there's things that we do. For example, I've got, I've got a YouTube channel. Um, I, you know, it, it's a lot. But what I would say is, Pulume alluded to it, it comes down to time, time management. But mm. also, it's not even just about time management sometimes. It's about having the energy. Right? Mm. I find myself getting burnt out sometimes. Um, and what I've tried to, you know, to find a way to solve this issue is about, you know, just making sure you take time out sometimes, take some time out to rest. Um, but I'll also say what really keeps me going is the passion. 
um, if I didn't have the passion for what I do, there's absolutely no way. There's no way I could do what I do. There's, it just, I just, I just couldn't because it's the, it's the passion that fuels and motivates you on a day-to-day basis. But also learning how to be disciplined and structuring certain things in place so that you don't, you don't burn out and that kind of stuff. But it is, it is, it's not easy. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, no, it's like literally, um, you're so right about that. It's, it's you have to have a passion for it. Um, it, it you have to have a passion for it because it's you have to continuously keep growing and committing and sacrificing time towards it. So there has to be a deep, deep, yeah. deep desire to want to actually commit time to it. So I, I absolutely agree with that. There's so much energy that you should go to it. And- yeah, uh, Jax, I was just say, yeah, definitely in, in agreement. I think um, you mentioned the having the energy bit and to do create energy, you need to make sure you're in a space where you're looking after your health as well, um, exercise and eating well. And we're going to talk about that on another uh, podcast um, in the future, one of these days um, as well, which would be really good. Um, Palumi, we know we, we don't have you forever, so it would be great to touch on um, how to invest for income, which is uh, one of your... Um, I guess, ventures that you work on. Tell us a bit more about that, um, the process and a few more tips. Um, and yeah, where we can find you and uh, yeah, where our listeners can find you really. Yeah. Um, so um, so I started How to Invest for Income because I, I, like you guys, I really want to educate people and I love what you guys are doing. And and I was listening to a couple of other people and it really inspired me to actually, actually want to do that. And to be honest, a lot of people are t- t- talking to me about, look, put your stuff out there let people know what you're doing and I've always kind of shied away from it because I always felt that I've like I think we spoke about this previously about there's a kind of a negative stigma about about money and I tend to and I didn't want to be perceived as someone that's kind of like oh trying to showboat which is not not me at all and and so I was just uh, I I just want to make sure that the core focus of what I was doing was to educate. Yes, absolutely educate. So um, a lot of my content is about. So I've got like a, a Instagram page, a How to Invest for Income, a YouTube channel, and um, a website, How to Invest for Income dot com, and it purely is there to teach people how to invest specifically to generate income. Um, because uh, one of the things that I tend to tend to find is that when sometimes people talk about investing, they don't realize the general concept around investing is to generate some sort of cash return. Yes. And let's say, for example, if you go to a shop to go and buy a bottle of water, you can't pay with capital appreciation. <laughs> you can't pay with... <laughs> you, know, you, know, you have to pay with cash. That's, that's, that's literally what, what you have to pay with. So my, my investment strategy, my investment model is purely based around cash. The way I've sort of modelled my portfolio everything is about maximizing cash generation to because i don't want to work <laughs> i'll be honest i don't i don't i, I, I like working but i don't want to work for um i i, I like working but i'd rather work for myself yeah. um and, and that's true yeah. i i want i'd rather have my name on 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 the office door on on the sort of like the plaque when you walk into the office yeah. i want to have my last name not i'm working for someone else's last name yeah. if you know what i mean um, that's just me and and so I want to aspire to that, but unless you unless you actually um, generate that or build it, it will never really manifest. And so um, I really want to. And, and I, um, so why I built how to invest for income was to also bring people along the journey with me because I wanted the people I wanted people to see the process of how I've started to invest, what I'm doing, and how I'm transitioning away from 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 that nine to five and actually going it solo. If you know what I mean, myself and my wife. 
And so I, I wanted to take people along that journey. So I created a blog, I created the, the Instagram page and YouTube to actually re-educate people and show them that because I think that's one of the challenges you always tend to find is when you go on these, when, when you go on online and you see uh, information about investors, it's always people that are like established, they've finished, they like, they've got a car or mansion behind them. You know, that standard, that standard sort of it's sales pitch. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, do you want to make a hundred pounds in one day? Like, just ridiculous. The, the lies, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ridiculous claims. And yeah. a real investor knows that's just a joke. Yeah. But, um, 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 but not to slate any of those people, but some people might, but real investors know there's a lot of hard work that has to go into that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You can actually completely say that. That's why I tend to take that with a pinch of salt. But, um, so that's why, I, that's why I created How to Invest for Income to help really educate people, to take people along the journey with me, so also encourage people as well. I get a lot of feedback and a lot of encouragement from people. And there's a lot of people that are so interested in investing. I'm sure you guys must get this, get this yeah, a lot. Absolutely. They're so invested. And it's just simply, they just need some guidance. And mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, um, messages I've had of encouragement of people thanking me so much for information I've produced. And I'm a nice guy. Like, if you message me, I'm going to message you back. Yeah. And, and I'm just respond. I always treat people like the way I'd like to be treated. And so if you have a genuine question, please just let me know. And I'll try and do my best to be able to answer it. Do you know what I mean? I remember our first conversation. I mean, um, our listeners, Peter introduced me to Pilumi. Um, and, you know, we, we, we had an initial conversation. Um, we had a couple of conversations. And, and then I... Okay. Um, I looked at your Instagram page and every time you post content, I just think to myself, this is quality content. This oh, is quality you. content. And, and this is what people actually need to hear, you know, because unfortunately, you know, I've been doing financial education for actually a long time. I've been doing it for, for quite a while before it became popular on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of my pet peeves is I see a lot of people come into this space and unfortunately the information that I see posted out there sometimes are even incorrect. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, or sometimes like incorrect or and obviously I, I struggle to try and correct someone that's, that's you know kind of embarrassing for them but you know it's incorrect information or it's as you said earlier information that says you can do this in one no 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 what we need is content like yours and oh, actually as i said as i said in in very early on in this podcast um you know investing for income is what i call grow investing because actually, it's the one that you can you can invest for income. So, well, you can invest for capital appreciation, but you have no real control. Mm. You have no real control, and you can't really tell whether the stock or or the or the the property or whatever asset class it is is going to go up. You can just make an educated guess. But income, the analysis and the due diligence you do, it's more realistic. Mm. You know, you, you know what you're going to get for rental income. Right, if you do your due diligence, you know what you're going to get in terms of dividends. If you can look at companies' historical dividend growth rate and that kind of stuff, right? But capital appreciation is is, is a bit more hopeful, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a bit more hopeful. It's exciting, but it's a bit more hopeful. So I I I love the idea of investing for income, and I think um, more people should be signing up to you, whether it's your podcast, your Instagram, whatever you deliver, because it is probably, in my opinion, the best way to invest, especially for the long term. Thank you, thank you, and and likewise, I love the content that you guys are producing, and um, it's really encouraging. And and it's like I like to follow people, like I mentioned, that I agree with, and I'm like, yeah, and I share, and I, and I like share stuff because I'm like, this stuff is good. This is the stuff that that is 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 perfect, especially for our generation, yeah. um, to help 
educate people. So well done as well, guys, for all the amazing stuff that you're doing, Jax. Your financial, um, your financial social media page is amazing. And again, also Peter, what finance, what you guys are doing here today is just amazing. Please just keep, keep, keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. And I'll keep supporting as whatever way I can. Thank you very much. Thank you. Really appreciate that. And you know, anyone else that's in this space as well, we the more the better, man, because we we need to make sure we're all adding value to um society in general so definitely so listeners if you've liked what you've heard um we've obviously got a guest care palumi who's been amazing and it's been a pleasure chatting with him and if you've liked what you heard check out how to invest in income uh, via his blogs his instagram um and youtube and you know the best way if you honestly like what you've heard please do the usual and just click subscribe because it's very supportive to Palumi. Likewise on Walt Finance, if you haven't clicked subscribe to wherever you're listening to uh, this on right now, just do that and uh, support us. We really, really appreciate it as well. Um, Palumi, man, just want to say a massive thank you. We're sure, we're confident we'll uh, get you in to um, touch on some of the things we've uh, discussed today, even in more detail, and some other things as well, because there's so much that you do. So it's just been an, an, an absolute pleasure learning and hearing from you, hearing your journey, um, and hopefully, likewise, for our listeners as well. So really appreciate taking the time. Um, Palumi, as you know, at Woke Finance, um, we obviously do, uh, in terms of our day-to-day services that we do, um, we work a lot with slightly younger uh, generations, so much younger than us. And it would be good to hear from you. Um, what are some of your top tips? Or what would you say to a 16-year-old Palumi right now? What would I say to a 16? Bro, you look good. Um... <laughs> uh... <laughs> uh... Uh... <laughs> Oh, you asked me, you asked me, isn't it? Isn't it? Leave me. Oh, gosh. If I was 16-year-old me, I would say that uh, start learning how to invest. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Say that. Start learning how to invest. Get started. Get started. Get started. Get started. Yeah. The earlier, I think, I think out of all, I think the biggest regret of any investor not starting yeah. that's i think that's across the board in it bro yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 100%. 100%, 100%, 100%. 100%. the biggest regret of any investor that's been successful at investing is that they did not start earlier fantastic really appreciate that believe me man uh jacks before we uh wrap up did you have anything uh burning that you wanted to add up to no no I've, I've absolutely enjoyed this episode you know i get really excited when i meet fellow investors so you know since the first day i came across premium we've just clicked and, and i've enjoyed um consuming his content speaking to him he's even part of my group chat as well um so thank you very much Pilumi. i've really really enjoyed this episode and i'm sure our listeners will enjoy it as well absolutely and Palumi, you know when i guessed you at the beginning of the episode and i said i might edit out if this isn't a good episode just to let you know i'll be keeping it in <laughs> This guy is still the same, you know. He hasn't changed one bit. He ain't changed. He ain't changed one bit. He ain't changed, no, man. Believe me, though, man. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it, man. No really problem, appreciate man. it. Absolute pleasure, man. Uh, and, and thanks, and it's an absolute honour to be uh, given the chance to be able to speak on on, on here. So, yeah, just uh, just let uh, just want to let you know that I'm, I really appreciate it. No nice one man until the next time man love for that and all to all of our listeners thank you very much for tuning in keep supporting uh, sharing 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 with anyone who you think uh, might benefit from this and remember all stay woke
I think we'll probably need a whole nother episode um, on this because we can go on forever around this. And I'm sure me and Jackson have so many questions on this. But what are some of the, I'll say, well, risk or things to watch out for? You mentioned don't go all guns blazing. But if someone's right now gassed saying, oh, I'm going to educate myself in property investing, so this time in 18 months, I'm going to just start it. What are some of the things that we should be aware of? Or, what, or even a better way of answering that, what are some of the things that you've learned that you wish you knew before you started property investing? That's a great question. Yeah. yeah. Um, value a house based on what it can generate in rental income, not, one is, what, not what someone's willing to sell it for. Hmm. Yeah. Go into a bit more into that. 